Mindless Can, the podcast with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushel. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work and in your community. A beautiful good morning and welcome to each and every one of you from uh, Finvake Law Incorporated. Uh, Finvake Law Incorporated, recognizing that kindness and compassion are an integral ingredient of a sustainable solution. Kerry and Paulie, good morning. Uh, good, good morning, morning. Jane. <laughs> good morning. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be inviting Kerry onto the Kindness Can podcast today. She's a specialized kinesiologist based in Durban North. And she's been running her health consultancy, Ember Connect, since 2006. They offer a wide range of services from kinesiology, coaching, Enneagram workshops, and even corporate firewalking events. Kerry, welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you for having me. And thank you to Funvake Law Incorporated for setting this up. It's absolutely such a privilege to be able to speak to everyone today. Can I just jump in right here and say, can we just talk about the firewalking thing? Because that actually <laughs> came up in a conversation about a week ago between friends. And I don't think I could, I don't think I could do that. Tell me, is there, there's obviously a lot of mental prep work that goes in before you jumping on ambers. So Jane, basically my journey with firewalking started, uh, I'd been in practice for about oh, seven or eight years. And I find myself constantly talking to people about belief systems and what they are and how they're formed. And Paul would also know lots about this. And I just find myself kind of saying the same thing. And I was looking for something physical, something powerful that most people believed they can't do. And then I thought if I can show them that that's a belief system and that it's possible, then they can use that knowledge and apply it to other belief systems in their lives. So I use a lot of the kinesiology principles and I work around one of our main healing models, which is around looking at you on a physical level, an emotional level, a mental level, and a spiritual level. And then we apply that to a mind shift process and then you walk on the coals. So it's it's a bit of everything. It's lots and lots and lots of fun. And just so everyone knows, most people I've ever worked with think they can't do it. <laughs> okay, hold on. I'm, I'm not finished with this conversation. So we're going to shift the belief system. We're going to prep our mind. Now I'm standing on the side of the circle. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and then launch into it. How long, how long is the fire walk? I mean, I can't actually imagine this. <laughs> so I walk everybody across. Um, it's a five meter walk, believe it or not. Um, I do it with my partner, with my husband. And um, so he's in charge of making the big fire. And it's a massive, massive fire. So we make a huge fire. And I do the presentation while he watches the fire and gets everything ready. And then once I've finished the presentation, we go back to the fire. It takes about an hour. And by that stage, the coals are just about perfect. And we literally lay five meters worth of coals. And then I walk each person across for their first time. So I walk with them and I support them. The pace that you walk across is quite important. Um, as you can imagine, lots of people want to run <laughs> or yeah, get across as quickly as possible. And the irony is your chances of burning are much more if you go too fast. So 
uh, just pace people across. I can't help but feel like in your household, like, let's have a bride this weekend. You make the fire. I'll make the salads. <laughs> well, well, you say that. I make people sign a, a disclaimer just saying that next time they have a bride, they won't have a beer or two too many and then decide that they can walk across the coals randomly in their garden without me. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I'm um, well known for party tricks. Wow. Paul, is this something both, you consider doing? Would you do it with me? I think Jane and I are both nodding. Like, do not try that at home without Kerry. No, it's just <laughs> um, Because I'm sure the mental preparation uh, is very, very important. But that's the point, right? The point is trying to show people that in their relationship with themselves and the world, that there's certain ideas or beliefs they hold on to, like, I can't do this. But when they put the effort in, when they start getting support or seeing things from different perspectives, they can do unimaginable things. So how does that belief shift process work? Well, you've languaged it really well. So um, that's exactly what it is. It's just about recognizing, actually recognizing the belief systems. So what I do as part of my presentation is try to get people to identify an underlying belief. Most of the beliefs that we live our lives according to are set before we're eight years old. So if you kind of start to imagine that little eight-year-old you might have had this thought and this feeling that accumulates into a belief system, and suddenly they have this belief system of, I'm not good enough because, you know, I don't know, maybe my teacher doesn't like me or something happens at school and I have an argument with a friend and then maybe they form a belief system around how likable they are or their intelligence. That's a big one for a lot of people. So as part of the process, it's to identify that as a belief system. So the first step is to recognize that that belief system is not real. It's a thought and a feeling and it's not real, but we think it's real because we think and feel it. So once you've kind of identified something, and I do encourage people to look at, there are a few kind of core ones that different people and in general that we all hold or have held at some stage. So once we say have identified that there's a belief system of not feeling good enough, let's say. So let's just say there's a belief system of I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. So what I then do is I go back to the kinesiology model of looking at at different mental, emotional, physical, as you said, bringing in all the different elements, and we break it down like that. So one of my favorite techniques for looking at belief systems, and it, it falls into kind of our mental processing in kinesiology, is to start saying something to yourself like, or not. So as soon as you say, or not, it shows your brain that something might not be real. It almost gives your, your neuro pathway another direction to move into. So if you are thinking like, oh, I'm never going to be able to present well in front of the team today, then you could say something like, or not, maybe I'll be fine when I present in front of my team today. Um, you know, I'm never going to meet the right person or not. Maybe the right person's just around the corner. You know, you can apply it to just about anything. 
It should come with a warning if you have children because it gets used against me a lot in my household by my nine and 11 year old. So as soon as I'm like, it's bedtime and they're like, or not, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> this is not where we apply it. Um, so, so I love the love that or not process. And I just say to people like, just start recognizing these things and doing something different. So yeah, or not, or not can be used with just about anything and health as well. Uh, I see a lot of people who, you know, we live in a society where there's so much information available to us. And I see so many clients coming in and feeling like super worried because I don't know, they might have a headache and their mind's going to the worst case scenario or they've had pain and they feel like they're always going to have pain. So I'll often in those scenarios also use the or not principle there. Like, you know, this might shift quickly. So it's not going to be forever. You know, they always think I'll never meet someone or I'll always have this back pain or I'm always going to have this physical problem. And just starting off with that or not immediately shifts things. I'm sure you have so many wonderful success stories um, and it must be so rewarding seeing people come to you facing different challenges and being able to implement through kinesiology or anagrams or uh, whatever work uh, that needs to be applied. Do you have a, a standout uh, scenario where maybe somebody came to you with a certain something or other and you worked through them and got them through the other side, one that stands out for you? Jane, I, I generally see a lot of people who have kind of, I get a lot of referrals from a, a doctor and a specialist who refer sort of physical things that people battle to work with or shift because there are emotional, sort of stuck emotional patterns or fears or beliefs or things like that. So probably what's kind of the most noticeable for me is I do quite a lot of fertility work. So I'll often... I'll get referrals from a gynecologist who has done obviously all the physical checks and then it's, it's labeled as unexplained infertility. So there's no mm -hmm. medical reason for it, but for whatever reason, the person's not conceiving. And that's, that's amazing to work with. That's absolutely amazing to work with someone who feels like they're never going to have a baby and they have these incredible shifts. They identify you know, maybe different patterning, sometimes childhood patterns or suppressed childhood traumas, and they can release that and they conceive within a couple of sessions. It's just, it's just the most awesome thing. It's a joke to say, my husband and I laugh and say like, we made someone pregnant. I made someone pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> it was an expression that I, that I really love, you know, the idea that the body keeps score, the body never lies. And I suppose what you're touching on here is that very close relationship between our mind, our soul and our body and how sometimes those blockages at a psychological level, at a spiritual level start to, to manifest in aches and pains in our body. Yeah, that's, um, that's exactly how it works. And what we do with the kinesiology is we use a muscle to access the subconscious. So a lot of our muscular movement is subconscious. Um, if you think about clenching your jaw or your shoulders lifting when you're really stressed, or almost that feeling of your knees wanting to drop out or your tummy clenching. So those are all subconscious muscular responses to a situation. And as a kinesiologist, we work with a little muscle in the arm. It's called the brachioradialis. It's the easiest muscle for us to work with on our own. You don't have to remember the name. <laughs> um, it's the easiest muscle for us to work with in isolation. And basically, we go through a process of using this muscle as an indicator. So when you verbalize the stressor, the muscle changes. So it's 
an incredible process, especially for someone like me who was trained quite traditionally at varsity in kind of a counseling arena to then have a client lie down on the plinth. And when I'm muscle monitoring, I've got no idea what's going to come up. Absolutely no idea. And to make sure the process is subconscious, I number everything. So I will often only know what's come through the muscle check when I've had a look at my notes. So it's it's fascinating. Somebody could come in with um, maybe some kind of a physical ailment, like a frozen shoulder, and the kinesiology will take us to a stress around a suppressed fear of something completely unimaginable often for me. But when I test for it and it comes through with the kinesiology, the clients are absolutely able to relate to it. But of course, they're not aware of it either. Otherwise, they would have addressed it generally on a conscious level. Mm. And Enneagram, I mean, hasn't that become fashionable uh, for want of a better (laughs) word? I mean, all of a sudden, everybody's Enneagramming, you know, this is what I'm like and this is the number and this is a... I mean, it's, it's quite a thing, isn't it? Jane, you, um, I was actually having this conversation with um, Jane, my Jane Brown business partner. And I was saying to Jane, when I started working with it sort of 10, 15 years ago, as part of a kinesiology balance, I would bring it up to people and they would be like, what? What are you talking about? I have like, they had no idea. And now it's kind of part of my intro sometimes with clients. And they're like, oh, yes, yes. I'm a three with a two wing and I'm like, all right, they learn the lingo, but, but it's actually a fantastic, it gives you immediate kind of insight and clarity from a therapy perspective, because you immediately know how this person's seeing themselves, uh, what they perceive their challenges to be. And it's less about identifying your type as to kind of identifying the stress around it, or maybe the fears around it. It is also really fun to talk Enneagram when there's a group of you. <laughs> that also happens. Yeah, sure. So you kind of yeah. develop a language. It's lots of fun. I answer your previous question, Jane, about the, the firewalking. And, you know, Jane, I always, <laughs> always, always laugh and joke. Uh, you parked I, it. You parked it. I would go <laughs> to war with you, Jane. And so challenge accepted. Uh, and I just asked you. I just said, "Would you?" I didn't say, "When are we going?" Now you throw it back at me. Uh, so maybe I'm putting the question back to you. If you want to go firewalking, I'll go firewalking with you. Well, I feel a bit lame. Also, always saying to you, "I'll go to war for you," and then backing out of a few ambers. <laughs> Can we have a gin and tonic while we do it, or is that not allowed? <laughs> So, so generally, you can't have a lot of gin and tonic before you do it, but um, I'll turn a blind eye. I'm making a joke. I'm making a joke. <laughs> no, so, Kieran, so let's say Jay and I were to do it. What yes. would be something that we could do, or let's not say the fire walking per se. Let's say we have got something challenging to do. We know that we have a, a belief system that sometimes blocks us from doing it. So you spoke about you know, taking note of different physical responses that might rise up inside of you. And I would imagine that you would then acknowledge them and then let them pass. Or you might acknowledge, uh, notice certain thoughts uh, coming up for you and you can use the or not technique. But if Jane and I were standing at the face of something which was really hard for us to do, what little practical tool could someone use to help them through that moment? They've got the insight. This is hard for me to do, but I really want to push through. That kind of that moment where you're standing on that big rock uh, and there's a pool below and everyone's jumping off the rock and you that you that guy and I can relate to being that guy. Like you're standing on the rock, you're like, I want to jump off, but something in my brain is being like, don't do it. What else could we do in that moment to kind of 
encourage ourselves to push through? That's a great question because a lot of the firewalking process is around dealing with your body and fear and dealing with your mind and fear. And generally, the more fearful we feel, the less able we are to think, um, which is which is fascinating because it's often when we need to think the most. So the first thing that I that I would suggest to people that I actually say to people before a firewalk is to to hold the front and back of your head. And it's so interesting because a lot of the acupuncture points that uh, have been around for thousands of years are almost points that we naturally gravitate towards when we are under stress. So there are acupuncture points on your head, for instance, that are really calming. So if you put a palm on the front of your forehead and and the other palm on the back of your head and you press down and hold your head for about 30 seconds, what that does is it brings blood and heat back up to your brain. So it helps you to think through a process. So that's something that you can do to pull yourself out of a fear spiral. The other thing that you would do is to take deep, even breaths. We're all aware of breath work at the moment. Again, that's quite current. But amazingly, we do often forget to breathe properly, which pushes us obviously into more stress. And then an- another technique that's that's really great is, is it's called a thymus tap. So there's a lot of life force stored underneath our thymus. And that's basically if you go to the middle of your, your clavicle, of your collarbone, and just a little bit further down from there, and you tap it. You can even, you, you sort of thump it with your fist. And you do it in the same kind of beat as a waltz. So you, you tap hard once, and then softly, two, three. So you tap hard So one, two, three, one, two, three. So you tap that a few times just to get your life energy back. So once you've done your acupuncture points on your head, you can do your thymus tap that physically starts to shift you. And then the other thing that we do as part of a fire walk is also a process where you use a visualization. So a lot of the time we visualize what we don't want to happen. We visualize the worst case scenario instead of visualizing what we do want to happen. So a vis- working with a visualization or some kind of even words, sometimes words are very powerful for people as well. So you use that technique too. And interestingly enough, the environment that you create is very, very important. So when you're wanting to change a belief system, it's really, really important that you surround yourself with people that are supporting that process. So you can imagine if you are wanting to shift a belief system around, perhaps you're feeling inadequate at work. So you think, well, I'm never going to be able to get this promotion because I just, I don't have the skill set or I'm just not good enough for it. You obviously don't want to be around people that are that feel or think the same as that or don't encourage you to change. So the same process is applied to a fire walk where the environment of the walk is really important. So you want a group of people around you that are supporting you in your process of change. So what we actually do is we also get the group to do the visualizations with the delegates that are walking and chant there if they've got words or belief systems that they're wanting to try change we do it all together as a process so you've got this big group that's behind you it's so powerful so lovely mm, mm, mm. that tapping of the chest reminds me of that scene from uh, wolf of wall street 
Remember, there's that like oh, coming yes, on the yes, chest. Yes, yes, yes. And it's like, oh, that. that's the life force. That's the life force. I get it. <laughs> oh, that is wow. such a cool link. Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting excited about a firewalk, Paul. I don't know why. I'm like sitting next to my candle thinking I'm going to be walking on you soon, buddy. <laughs> when I, a pause I, holding front and back acupuncture points because he's gone into fear. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and when I, I think that, yeah, I think life feels a little bit like a firewalk for all of us at, at the moment. And I think those tools that you, you spoke us through there can be so applicable no matter what your firewalk in your life at the moment is. And I, I encourage everyone as always just to slow it down, connect with yourself uh, and hold on to that belief that yeah, you're such a gift to yourself because everything you spoke about there were things that you can do for you, right from the small little things like tapping your chest to putting up your hand and saying, I need to ask for a community to stand around and support me. I love that. It's so powerful. And the other thing that, that really helps that people can do for themselves is also to find knowledge that supports something or supports themselves or um, empowers them. So as part of the firewalking process, I explain physically how our bodies work and, and physically how it's possible. And that's another big key in shifting belief systems. So I'll say to people, like, read an autobiography. If you really want to achieve something that someone else has achieved, read about it. Educate yourself on it. Read a biography. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we've got an abundance of podcasts and amazing people that are around us to be able to tap into that knowledge. And that's, that's a massive tool that I think maybe we don't always use enough of. Mm. Kerry, how can people get hold of you? <laughs> so I do have a website. It's uh, www.emberconnect.coza. And then on the website, there is a link to um, a telephone number, or you can email me straight from the website. And then that'll give you access to basically the Ember Connect team. And then I work with a, an amazing PA who runs my life from top to bottom and she organizes bookings and time slots and things like that. Fantastic. Well, we've so enjoyed our time with you today. And thank, uh, thank you. you to each and every one of you from Van Veek Law Incorporated. Van Veek Law Incorporated, recognizing that kindness and compassion are an integral ingredient of a sustainable solution. Paulie, I love you. Kerry, I love you. Have a beautiful day and can't thank wait you. to connect that sometime so really fun. soon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, Kerry, go well. Jane, I'll chat to you about the firewalk later. Chat <laughs> <laughs> to you later. <laughs> Lots of love, everyone. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.